Thanks for listening to the Highlands podcast. At Highlands, we believe in leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus and equipping you to have a life full of purpose as you build your faith. We can't wait for you to join us next weekend. But for now, enjoy this message from our communicators. Come on, church. Would we just celebrate a great story of God's faithfulness this morning from a great couple? What a good, good uh, start to the series that we are calling Expansion. It's that normal season of generosity. Uh, and we really believe that this is a season for us as a church that is about expansion. really feel that God's given us His Word, uh, God's given us His vision, that it is time to expand, expand our dreams again, to expand our vision. And I think it's time for us as individuals and family to, to, to claim this kind of thing and declare it in our life as well, going, this is the season of expansion. For your family, this is going to be a season. I'm taking that, what Doug's saying. I'm taking it for myself. This is a season of expansion for us as well, for my business, for my family, for my dreams. See, I feel that God's not looking for us to shy away and get scared and and back off and start to shut down. But it's time He's looking for a church and a group of people who are going to pick their eyes up and set them on a vision again and say that this is possible, that if God is for me, who can be against me? This is a season of expansion. See, I see it as the world screaming at a lot of us all the time now to shrink up, to get small, to go retreat, hide away at home, lock the doors and try to survive the apocalypse. That this is what's going on, that it's scary, be small, just, just go for survival, just, go, just don't think too big. It's not the time to, to kind of expand. It's not the time to think bigger. It's not the time to try something out that's too risky. I remember a year, a year ago uh, when we, my family were, were taking a step of faith that we felt God had led us towards and I had family members and Beck had family members calling going, get out of it. What are you doing? Haven't you seen the news? Haven't you seen this? Haven't you heard all of these things? And we just felt like, just we, we kept pushing back going, we've heard that, but we've also heard the Word of God. And it, when everything else is screaming, come on, shrink back, don't rest, this is terrifying, don't you dare have faith, we felt that the voice of God was just whispering, going, this is a season of expansion. That for His church who are willing to walk in faith, come on, nothing is impossible. That if God is for us, who can be against us? To the point where we become what Jesus prophesied over us in, in Matthew 5:14, that we would be the light of the world. That there should be a distinct marker on us. That there is something different about those who follow Jesus. There's something different about those with faith that we become the light to the world. Now he keeps going on saying, you don't light up this candle and throw it under a bowl. No, you stick it out on, up on a stand so everyone can see. Come on, church, there are some things that we are going through and going to establish that are going to impact people that we can't even see yet, but they can see what's coming. I, we all get inspired about 40-something years ago, people taking second jobs and giving what they could and doing the things they could to, to see a church built on a lettuce farm in the corner of Human Spring in Toowoomba that they saw for their generation that that was a season of expansion. Now, it's too tough, it's too hard, it was a big risk, yeah, but look what we're standing in because of the faithfulness of a generation who said, this is our time. We're going to put God's Word above what everyone else is screaming. And I feel like we could go one of two ways, be very thankful and appreciative, or decide, you know what, this is our turn that this generation will be marked for its faith, for its willingness to, to pioneer and to expand for the kingdom of God once again. 
for the sake that people that we have never met and probably never will meet could encounter the power of Jesus. There's so many people I know who have met God in this church that the people who pioneered it 40 something years ago have never met. That is faith, isn't it? When we think of what the church stands for, of going, I'm willing to do whatever the cost for people I don't even know, don't even care, I don't even like. But I'm willing to do it because God loves them and I'm following the will and the word of God more than what anyone else is saying. See, the moment we as Christians settle with our current experience, we begin to abandon those who are yet to encounter Jesus. The moment we become happy for this generation and the next, we we start to abandon their need for Christ. Because it's so easy to turn up and go, hey, I've got my small group, I've got my six friends, and really there's probably three or four too many, if, if anything. But I've got my small group, don't you dare tell me to lead a new one. I'd have to find new people then. But I've got that, I come on Sunday, I go to my service, I see my people, Andre makes me a coffee, there's a big TV, that's cool. I get told I'm pretty and then I go home. And it would be really comfortable to go, you know what, Geordie sets it at 21, there's 89 decibels, everything's perfect the way I love it. But the moment we start to settle with our own Christian experience is the moment we abandon the needs of others. It's the moment we start to look at this generation, this city and go, "Mm, you know, I'm good, so good luck. We look at the generations to come going, well, hopefully there's some pioneers in your generation because the world's going to hell right now. Haven't you seen the news? No, it's, it's time for the church to say, no, it's not because God put us here at this time. That I'm not gonna settle for my own experience. I'm gonna see this as an opportunity and the time that God put me here and now for a reason to see people encounter Him that I might grow, that He could bless me, that He could speak to me, that He could work through me in order to see His will be done in this place. And this is not the time for a church to sit back and go, ah, the building's finished. Isn't this nice? Oh, Oh, I've got my group. I've got my friends. This is the time that we go, Lord, where are you leading us now? What is your vision for this city that you've placed me in for some reason, God? What is your vision? Are you happy with the state of Toowoomba, with with the situation of Highfields, with what Dolby is looking like, what's with the valley? Whatever you've put around me, God, are you happy with this? Are you done? Are you kicked your feet up or are we still on the go? And the church needs to decide which one we're going to follow. Our preference, our comfort or the Word of God. This morning I want to start by looking at this message that God gave his, the people of Israel through a prophet named Isaiah and I think it's applicable for us today for the season that I feel that we are in as a church. Uh, it's a bit of a weird metaphor but I'll explain it as we go. Is that cool? So it's Isaiah 54, 1-3. It says, sing barren woman. So he's likening Israel to a barren woman, all right? I know, stay with me. You, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You, were ne- uh, you who were never in labour, because you are more, uh, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of who uh, than of her who has a husband. Sorry, He's saying you're better off to be needing me than being able to do it yourself. Says the Lord, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen the cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Now, it's a weird one, but 
But here God is saying, it's talking to Israel like this woman who hasn't had kids. Israel hadn't been fruitful. They were scared, shrunk up, small, not a good time for them. And God is speaking to them uh, in a different way, saying, hey, I'm likening you to this because what I'm going to do is greater and more fruitful and more prosperous and you're going to be a greater nation because of what I'm about to do, not because of what you can do in your own mind. He's looking at them saying, come on, it's time to enlarge the tent, stretch it out, believe for more because I'm about to do a new thing. I love it. I think that if we can pick this up for ourselves, just like Israel should have picked it up for them, it is looking at it going, no matter your external circumstance, no matter your history, no matter what experience you've got or what you've just decided to settle for, going, this is life, this is it, I'm stopped here. I think God is saying to them, saying to us, it's time to get greater expectations of the future. He's saying, look, you haven't had any children, but it's not time to, to find room for a cot in the corner and say that's believing. It is time to stretch out the tent to make room for a 10 bedroom house. Come on, stretch. It's not like shuffle some rubbish around and then, then God will trickle out a blessing. It was stretch these things out, reinforce those pegs, get the ropes and make sure they're strong. Because what I'm about to bring is expansion. What I'm about to bring is a big blessing. And I think the same for them is the same for us. Church, can I encourage you? It's time to get a different expectation of the future of getting our eyes off the here and now, getting our ears and stop, just start tuning out the frequency that says get small, get hide away. This isn't the time to think big. It's not the time to dream. God has been a bit quiet lately, so just take that into account. No, this is the time we say it is time to extend our tent. I'm getting an expectation of the future that only God can provide what is about to come. I don't know what it is in your experience, I don't know what it is that is shrinking you up and making you think and believe small and, and assuming that God either won't or can't do something in your world. It is one of those two though. I wanna encourage you. Come on, let's fight against this fact. Let's fight against these feelings and come and saying, no, eyes up, I'm enlarging my tent. I am getting a new expectation of my future because I still believe for the church that our best days are ahead of us. I talk to people of a different generation who go, no, it was the 80s, Doug. That was the, that was the time. There was the Pentecostal hop. There were good songs with real music, you know. All, those, all of the good things. I wasn't around. I can't assess it. I was there in the 90s and I saw your haircuts and I saw your costumes and I'm glad that we are done. I've heard the songs and I'm just thankful that we wrote new ones. Oh, I know people are like, oh, yeah, but can I tell you, there's still better ones up ahead. Because what is ahead of us for the church is greater than what we're leaving behind. And if we can get on board with that, we have a different expectation of what's to come. Like, oh, I wish we, wish we saw a move of God like we, no, let's see the move of God like we need, not like the one we had. But not just for the church, I believe it for you and I pray for you regularly during the week that you would experience what is to come, not just a rehash of what was. That your expectations might grow and the, the fire that has burned and shriveled down into embers might be reignited with the breath of God and to come back into flame. That we'd grow again. This is a season of expansion. So let's not shy away. 
Let's set our eyes on a bigger vision, start moving towards it. Let's enlarge our tent. Let's have a different expectation. So I love that verse two, where it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. So he's speaking to this barren woman to say, get ready for it. Essentially, have faith before something happens, before the provision. See, this idea of faith, I think we've got the wrong view of it most of the time. Faith is actually a verb. It requires action. You can't have faith without an external reaction. In Hebrew, it says, faith without works is dead. There is no way, having faith about something without any action about it is really just crossing your fingers and hoping God pulls a stunt. Faith requires movement. Action, something of risk, something of motion, of movement. And he's saying to them, going, I know you haven't seen it yet, but now is the time to extend before provision comes. It would be easy to find out, oh, we're pregnant with quadruplets. Okay, now we need to go stretch our tent out this far. But he's going, no, how far do you think you could stretch it? Because that answers the question, how much do you think God could do? It's time to move and act. Faith, faith always acts before it sees. And I'm going to say this a trillion times this morning. You won't need to take notes. It will be seared in your brain. Faith acts before it sees. Every single time. There is not a time where faith can, you, you can see something, call it faith, and then act on behalf of it. That's often how I want to operate or how I know every Christian wants to operate is bless me and then I'll do something. Free up some of my time, God, and then I'll bring a group of eight people that I just really like to hang around and then I'll lead. God, give me this passion for, and then I'll... No, he says, come on, faith acts before it sees anything. And faith-filled Christians, what I've learned, act before receiving a single thing. We give before we're blessed because we know it's coming. The reason we know it is because we know our Father. We know His heart. We know what He does. We know He said in His Word, this is what I'll do, and we hold Him to it. We go, well, you are faithful in these things, so I can do this, not with this kind of greed or entitlement, but I just back your character. Unless He has lied to us, come on, we can have faith acting before we see. Faithful Christians give before we've received the blessing. Faithful Christians praise God before the miracle because they know it's coming. See, faith steps on the leg while it's sore. Doesn't wait for it all to be better. See, faith prays. Not just thanksgiving, but be healed. That's the whole thing. That's where we see miracles. That's where we see the power of God. That's where we see providence is when we step out before anything has happened, believing and declaring that God can make a change, that God can intervene. Faith acts before it sees. Through the New Testament, I love faith. Faith-filled Christians were able to rejoice during the suffering. Constantly it came up, I hate it. I go, I wish I didn't read that. It's because we know that even in the pain, there is purpose even while I'm suffering, even while this is hurting, even while I'm sad and I don't understand why this is going on, I can rejoice in the fact that I know that this isn't the end, that there's purpose here and that there's never a hurt wasted in the hand of God and there is never a moment that goes by that is irrelevant to God, that I don't know why this is happening. 
but I can rejoice knowing that God is still good and that this isn't the end. That I have an expectation of my future, that I'm not gonna stay in the valley of shadow of death. I'm gonna do what the Bible says and walk through it. I'm not setting up a camp and trying to pull people over into my pity party going, man, this valley sucks. No, I'm gonna keep going and pull through. Faith acts before it sees. See, I am very confident that God isn't looking for a skeptical church to reach this city. I'm confident that he's not hoping that he'll find a group of people with a wait and see mentality to pour out his blessing and favour on. He's looking for a church that says, I know what God has said and called us to. And I might not be seeing it yet. I'm not seeing it in my family, not seeing it in my finance, not seeing it in my church. But faith acts before it sees. That I know this is what we're called to. We're here to make disciples. We're here to lead the lost. We're here to, to make this difference, to help people find their freedom. Come on, we need to be this people that are filled with faith, this attitude of God, I trust you, and I'm going to back you in, bet the farm, all on red, let's go. See, I say this every year, that this series might sound like it's on the topic of generosity, but more than that, it is a 100% series on faith. 100% a series on faith. Faith is why we ask you to write a list every year of things that you're believing God for things that, that you can't manufacture yourself, you can't figure out yourself. You write this list of going, God, I need you to help. This is not a giving wish list. This is not like a generous, like an Uber miracles, right, where you pay your fee and then all of a sudden he delivers this to your door. This is not it. This isn't a prosperity doctrine. It's not a gift to get. This idea is wrapped up in, in that faith has actions involved. And in this series, we hope to inspire and encourage faith in your life that you start believing in God again, that you start to dream a little bit more again and put some skin in the game because faith acts before it sees. Go, I'm gonna start praying a bit more. I might have to fast during this season. Whatever it is, I want to put some action before I start seeing any results. I wanna start giving into the kingdom of God and I know that I won't be left high and dry because God is my provider. Faith acts before it sees, church. And in this series, I want you to write down the things that you're believing for God for again and start to dream big again. Enlarge your tent before it comes. Stretch it out. It will reveal very quickly on what you find God is capable of and what you think He is willing or able to do. Come on, let's stretch it out. Reinforce these dreams, these visions again. And I believe that this season, we should be taking these steps of courageous faith. As a church, I know we are the next few weeks and announcing a handful of things and, and, and getting people involved in praying with us and partnering with us. And I just want us to, to be encouraged that it's not just a church corporately, all of us together, but I want it to be a church of you individually for your household, for your families, for your friends are going, this is a season of expansion. I'm declaring it. I'm going to see it happen. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to write it down. Here we go. I'm enlarging my tent. I'm not shrinking up no matter what my social media or the news or whatever government tells me to start hiding and being fearful. No, this is a season I'm gonna see God expand me like I've never seen before. And we can have confidence that God provides. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, Now He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now I love this, that supplies seed for the sower 
and bread for food. It doesn't leave a lot of other options and it very clearly said who supplies it. He supplies it. He supplies. He wants to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I talked to my seven-year-old the other day. He's collecting bottles and cans and you'll see bins around there if you want to sponsor him. <laughs> That's why we've got Compassion and we've got Max. Um, but but he's, uh, he's saving up for a Nintendo Switch. That's his dream. And uh, Judah's saving for an Nintendo Switch because he can't talk quite as good. Um, <laughs> I know, so I'm getting an Nintendo way, way earlier. Uh, but he's doing these kinds of things. And we were talking in the car one day. I said, mate, you're saving all this money. You're getting all this. We're going to the, they call it the bottle shop. And I just make sure to clarify with everyone else, it's a different bottle shop. It's not that bottle shop I'm taking my seven-year-old to. Uh, but getting this cash from however it works. And um, I just said, oh, do you know what we do when, when you get this money? And his first response was, yeah, we give some of it to God, don't we? I was like, oh, done something right, Doug. Well done. Someone's listened to one of your messages. It's your seven-year-old who sits here and tells me, yeah, it was a bit boring today, Dad. But I'm like, well, at least you listened. <laughs> That's super encouraging. And uh, he's like, why do we do that? And I said, okay, well, we just went through a, rant, like, it's a really simple explanation that I've got a lot of reasons that I give. I try to tell you these things as often as I can, but I was telling him some of them as well, saying, well, honestly, you're, you're, um, you're stealing metal from God and, and cashing it in. <laughs> so it's all, it's all his anyway, wasn't it? Everything we have is his. He's like, no, I'm getting this money. I'm like, no, you're using his, his metal to get money yourself. Like we're driving right now, propelled in this like steel automobile that was all ripped out of his earth. We manufactured, we put it together, found a way to make money out of it. I'm getting value out of this thing. So this car is his. Like you are his. My phone, well, it's all, it's all from his stuff. It's all the air that we're about to breathe, he's giving that to us. The next heartbeat pumping blood around my body, well, he's giving me that heartbeat. He's holding all this. The fact that I can talk, God's allowing this to happen. He's like, oh yeah, okay. It's great talking to a kid because you can just say, and say talk long enough and they agree. But I love this idea that, that when you know where your provision comes from, you don't need to withhold anything from it. That it's all his to begin with. And so it's not a difficult thing to return back to him. That's why we sing. That's why we praise. That's why we do this. We're returning the very breath that he put within us. When we pray and we praise, we are returning the very thing that he put within us, something of spirit and power. When I give, I'm just returning everything that I've already been given by him and to him, the, the, my ability to work, the call of God, the skills that I've got, they've all been given to me, not developed within me. So we're just returning this, that he supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food, and he will continue to enlarge. Max got very excited about the blessing and provision and enlarging this. I was like, sweet, two Nintendo Switches. But the fact is, one of the names of God is great. It's called uh, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. There's a very famous and very long song about it at the moment. It's a great song. It talks about how God is our provider. But the one time that it is used in the Bible isn't directly in reference to God as a person, but more of a place. That it was a place that was given the name Jehovah Jireh. So in Genesis, we see a man named Abraham who God uh, had made a promise to of make him into a great nation. And the problem was that he and his wife were quite old and kind of past the whole procreation moment in their life. Anyway, God moved miraculously and, and provided a child for them. Uh, they, they tried to do their own thing on the side and that was a whole nother message um, of, of 
what happens when you try to force a miracle and rather than just following God. But anyway, you got this child they named Isaac and everything was going great right up until God asked for Isaac back. And uh, this is where kind of the conversation with Abraham and God goes on in, in chapter 22, 1 to 2. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, sounds like someone else, fast forward a bit, doesn't it? Whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now just imagine being Abraham here for a second. Dads? Try to explain this prayer to your wife. (laughs) I just heard from God. Guess what he wants? (laughs) A child. It's a bit of a rough gig. But here was the other tension that they would have gone through. And they had a three-day journey to this mountain. So he would have gone through this tension the whole time of God in what we now know is chapter 12. But the last time we talked, you made a few promises to me and it seems to all revolve around this kid, Isaac. How are you going to keep any of them if Isaac isn't in the picture? That there's this tension of going, I don't know the whole story and I don't feel like this is the right thing to do. This seems a bit irrational, inexplicable, irresponsible. But Abraham's attitude was going, well, I don't need to know the whole story to obey. I don't need to know how it's all going to work out to go. To, to lay down what you've asked me to lay down. And so off he went, started the three-day journey because faith puts confidence in God's Word, not my opinions. And I need us to grab this, is that faith puts confidence in what God has said, not what I feel. I wouldn't be doing anything that I currently do in life if I went by feelings. I've been trying to follow God's Word. My family, I said this in the first service, in a year that we got phone calls from people saying, back off, don't do this, it's scary, it's risky, don't, uh, uh, uh. It was the year we took uh, nearly the biggest step of faith personally for our family that we've done. And on top of that, we felt compelled by God to give more than we have ever given. And for not bragging sake, but for giving God glory, it pushed well into the 20% for the, the more than we've ever given. And, uh, for no other reason sharing this other than saying how good God is because we've never experienced more blessing in our life and seen things work out in a lot of weird kind of ways. But it's because we know where our provision comes from. When we feel God say, hey, this is what I want you to give and this is where I want you to go and this is how I want you to believe, and we stand and go, well, my opinion is hell no. <laughs> and my comfort is uh, really struggling with anxiety right now, God. But we both prayed and we both talked about it and decided, you know what? We're not gonna listen to our comfort and our opinions and and our our feelings and all these things. We're gonna listen to the Word of God and just be faithful. And if He has said it, well, He'll provide for whatever is necessary. And so off we went on our own three-day hike, not knowing the whole story, but knowing that God will be our provider. And that's what we find here. 
In verse 3, he says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants, his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood on the, uh, for the burnt offering, he sent out uh, to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I go with the boy over there. We will worship and then he will come back to you. Abraham took the, wo- uh, took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Isn't this just a side point here for a second? A beautiful picture of Jesus to come. Is that Isaac was carrying the very equipment, the tools that he was going to be sacrificed with. Just fast forward to, through to Jesus, carrying the cross to Golgotha where he was going to be sacrificed. You see, I just want to say this because Beck found it fascinating last night, is that a lot of the Old Testament stories point towards Jesus. A lot of the actions and the actual things that happened to people were revealing what is to come. And in this story, God never intended to let Abraham actually sacrifice Isaac. There are a few reasons that he was pushing this out. Was one, was he was pointing towards Jesus. Get your only son, your loved son, and go sacrifice him for, for something that nothing else will do. Two, was he was pointing out, going, I'm going to reveal to you a new side of me that you have never seen and no one's known about. A place where he got the name Jehovah Jireh. He said, you've, no one has seen the glimpse that I am the Lord who will provide. I'm about to show you that. And this is the way I'm going to show you how I provide. And the other one was God responds to great faith. And he was going, I'm going to show you how I respond to someone with great faith. I love this story of going, looking at how this just parallels with Jesus so beautifully. Anyway, verse 9 says, When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. He then reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Oh, geez, I've missed a few verses. Anyway, just keep with me. Uh, To slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on this boy. He said, don't do, uh, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, uh, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of the son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jaira or Yahweh Yaira. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, the place where the Lord provides is on the mountain of sacrifice, not in the plain lands of doubt. Constantly, all the way through word, you want the word you see, see where God, you encounter Jehovah Jaira is on the mountain of sacrifice, is on the mountain of faith where someone has acted before they've seen and all of a sudden they look around and they find themselves on this mountain, Jehovah Jireh, where God is providing because now they are seeing what their actions had led to. See, too many of us, I think we are living in this valley of wait and see, of we'll test God out first. If He does this, then I'll go. Can I just tell you, He's already done everything He needs. We grab hold of things with faith. We don't earn anything with giving. We don't earn anything with prayer. We don't, we don't impress Him in, with our dancing and clapping and singing. We appropriate. We grab hold of what He's already given with faith because when we act, we'll start walking into what we see. We act before we see. See, God never, God never just asks for your wallet. In fact, He just asks for your heart, your whole life. It wasn't just after one thing. It was after... 
it all. See, true worship is always costly because you have to give up the throne in your life. It always costs. You have to get up and go, no, you are going to be Lord. You see, the word Lord means supreme in authority. It's one of the simple definitions, supreme in authority. And this is what Abraham had to wrestle with. And I want to say that we have to wrestle with it regularly. Of what do I value more? What God has given me or God himself? Abraham had a three-day wrestle with that question. Walking there going, do I really want to do this or do I like this kid? Do I love God or do I love what he's provided? And for us, we need to wrestle with this of going, do I love God enough to go, whatever you have already provided me, I'm willing to do whatever you ask. Or do we like what we have? Do we value what we have more than we value God? There's a word, Lord. Who is Lord? Come on, church, wrestle with this. Is it, is it you or is it him? Abraham decided it was God who is supreme in authority and he's the Lord. See, true worship costs. You have to give up that throne. You have to, we, we make this decision. I do this wrestling regularly is wrestle with this idea that I'm not led by my insecurities. I'm led by the Lord who sits on the throne of my life. I don't want to do those things, God. It freaks me out. I'm nervous. I've downed 14 bottles of water just to get up and talk in front of people. God, I don't want to. But I'm not led by my fears. I'm led by the Word of God. I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I feel that I need to provide for my family, God. I think that that's a little bit too far. That's excessive. I come back and go, I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by the Word of God. So here we go, up the mountain to a place that I find the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And so we need to make the same kinds of decisions regularly of what am I willing to do for God? Who do I see him as and who do I see myself as? Who's leading me? See, because the closer to Jesus you get, you realise it's his kingdom that is worth building, not just your own. That the closer you get to Jesus, the, the more you realise, come on, other people matter, not just me and the few that I like. The closer you get to Jesus is the time that you go, you, I, I am living small, believing small. I am shrinking back and hiding away. Whereas Jesus said, come on, enlarge the tent. Get ready for what's to come. What do you think I'm capable of? Come on, put the pegs out far. Believe for bigger and have a vision for more. See, through all of these things, you start to realise that you never truly is a cost to worship. Even though it's always costly, you get this revelation that it's never a cost. Because if you gain more than what you've ever given up, it's, it's not really a loss, is it? And I found that I've gained more in Christ through my redemption, through my freedom, through my breaking of addictions, through the sin falling off, through my hope that is assured in eternity in heaven with Him, through the empowerment of the gift of the Holy Spirit is so great I could have never bought it or earned it myself. I, I haven't given up enough to earn those kinds of things. And also the favour and the blessing that I'm about to walk in due to the faith of action before I saw any of it come. Come on, it's far more than anything that I've left behind. When you know where your provision comes from, there is never a hassle of giving up something that He provided. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, this is Jesus talking, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll be poured into your lap. For the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. See, faith acts before it sees. I want to 
It determines the measure that you use. Come on, it acts. It'll be given back before you see. Now, I believe for us as a church, corporately together, what God wants to do through us as a people is, start, is continue expanding, is an expansion. To see more, more, I can see it. When I pray for it, I can see it, that there are more people stepping up and saying, you know what, Lord, I can be responsible for the life, the salvation of a few other people. I can, I can lead a small group. I can help in these areas. I can step in to help at kids because, you know, they don't age into mattering. They matter now. I can do these things, Lord. I can take this. I can see it when I pray for you. I can see people stepping into what God has called them to do. I can see more churches being planted out of this place, out of the community, maybe out of people sitting here this morning because I just feel that God is saying now is the season for expansion for the church. I can see people coming to know Jesus who we sit back and go, how the heck did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. is because people started to believe and acting before they saw it. I have friends go, why do you have two morning services, Doug? We could probably fit them all in because faith acts before it sees. Why are you planning? It's only 20 minutes away. Well, we're acting before we see it. And just as much as we believe it for the church and all of us together, I believe it for you because I pray it regularly during the week for each one of you. Is that this is a season of expansion and I pray that you partner with us and partner together and start to wrestle with God saying, God, I am extending the tent to see what you can do. I'm believing for these things. I've got skin in the game. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed. I'm going to give like I've never given. I'm going to push in and worship and praise like I've never done before because this is a season of expansion and I'm going to act before I see it. But I know I'm going to see it because I know who my Father is. Come on. It's time to take steps of bold and courageous faith where you find yourself, and you'll, you'll do this every single one. I guarantee when you walk in faith, there's one day God will open your eyes and guess where you'll find yourself? In a place where the Lord provides. And you'll experience what Abraham did, a glimpse of God that you've never seen before and you'll be like, here I am, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides, the Lord sees and He's seen to it. He's provided for me because I act before I see because I'm a man, we are people of faith. Let me pray for you, church. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God, that you have a great plan for each one of us, Lord, and that we have not left us alone. In fact, that we can walk boldly and confidently towards our destiny into our future, Lord, with a greater expectation. Lord, help us not to limit you from our, our past. Lord, our, man, our, our memory is such a waste of imagination when it comes to faith. Lord, help us get a bigger picture of what you want for us, our families, our community, this church. Lord, stir that up within us, that we can grow our capacity, that people start throwing their hands up and say, you know what, I felt God stirred this a long time ago and I've been pushing it down, but now is the time to say yes. Lord, for, for me, my family, I pray the same things for each one of these. Lord, it's a time of expansion. It's a time of providence. It's a time of just moving in faith. It seems like maybe the sacrifice tied up, Lord, but it is a time that we see your providence, your blessing, your favour upon us more than ever before. Amen. And as every eye is closed and head is bowed, maybe I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you haven't got this relationship with Jesus, that you don't know God. You might have heard plenty about Him. You've heard the stories. You might have grown up in church. But if you're honest with yourself, you go, I don't feel like I have a personal relationship with Him. It's because of my parents. It's because of my upbringing. It's because I sit here long enough on a Sunday. I don't know what it is but you go, no, I want to know Him for myself. 
that I want a personal relationship with God. I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to Him. Say, God, come into my life. I want to follow you. I want to go into your will to experience what you've got for me. Or maybe you feel that today is the day that you're coming back, that you've wandered off and you go, no, today I'm coming back. God, come into my life. I want to follow you. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. They might start that journey, start that encounter, that experience today of a personal relationship with Him. So if that's you, while every eye is closed and head is bowed, would you just raise your hand in the air? As I said, it's an outward sign of an inward decision. This is an action of faith. I'm saying, God, I want to know you. I want you in my life. And I want to follow you. Awesome. Fantastic. Is there anyone else this morning? Just one more moment. Fantastic. Come on, church, would we celebrate with these people this morning? Come on. Instead of the first one, if, if you're not a clapper, you're going to hate heaven because there's a lot of celebrating going on. And so I think we should, should get used to it, praising God whenever we get the chance. Uh, but would you pray with these people or pray for these people with me this morning? I want to show you an example of a prayer. You can pray at any time, but I just want to pray it for you as well. But you just do it in your own words, any, any point, any time. I, I'm convinced growing up in church, there is no right way to say this. There's no wrong way. You're not going to to muck it up. What matters is that you are saying something to God and you're believing in your heart. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, rise again. You've given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, that our past is gone, our, 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 our sins are forgiven, that we are a new creation, a son and daughter of yours. Lord, that can never be taken away from us. Lord, help us move into the, the destiny you have for us, the future that you have, that we find ourselves, Lord, in a different place, transformed. Lord, from what we ever thought we would be because we've been following you. Lord, help us grow, find our freedom, find the purpose that you put within us that we can make the difference you created us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for joining. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. For more resources and to connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and our website.